Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to Quantum Living, a magical place where science meets spirituality and anything can happen. Have you ever wondered why some places and spaces feel good and others not so good? Why moving a piece of furniture to a different corner or changing the color of your carpet or putting up a beautiful artwork on the wall suddenly changes the energy in the room, lifts your mood and just makes you feel better? On this podcast we talk about energy, as that's all there is really, (laughs) and how we can change the flow and frequency of the energy within us to improve the quality of our life. Well, changing the energy around us, in our immediate environment, such as our home or office, is equally important, and there are many tools and techniques we can use to achieve just that. One of such tools is the ancient art of Feng Shui. I've been looking for a Feng Shui expert for quite some time, to invite them to my podcast, and I finally found one. My special guest today is Crystal Holm. Crystal is a feng shui designer and clutter expert who teaches people how to use feng shui the right way to create peace and prosperity in all areas of their lives, with her programs focused on leaders and women in particular. Using her proprietary framework, the Designed Life Method, Mind, Body, Soul, Home, with a 3D vision board, Crystal helps her clients design who they are becoming and the life they want with it and manifest it right into their space. Hello, Crystal. Welcome to Quantum Living. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I am great, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Lovely. It's great to have you here. Finally, I got to talk with real Feng Shui expert. (laughs) So let's dive right into our conversation. When we chatted before this recording, you told me your story. And it's a truly fascinating and inspiring story. So I'd love you to share it with our listeners. Could you tell us, please, how did you find yourself on the Feng Shui path? Well, um... Honestly, I really started feng shui in college. Um, I was going to school to be an interior designer, and it was actually in my psychology class. (laughs) We were given an assignment to write a paper on something related to our field of study and psychology. Okay. (laughs) And it was pretty open from there. (laughs) And so I, at at that time, feng shui had, had really only been popular in Western culture for about Mm -hmm. five years, you know? And so I'd heard about it. I I knew a little bit about it. I knew it was related to, you know, like the energy of your home, 
but I didn't really know very much about it. So, and I hadn't had a lot of time to study it either. You know, I was in college, but I, so this sort of gave me an, an opportunity to, to, to learn something new um, that I was interested in. And <laughs> I, I went and I checked out every book they had at the library because I was determined that I was going to get an A on paper, right? So I brought home a two foot stack of books and I read them all to write this paper. And honestly, there was so much confusing information out there. I'm not even sure if I knew less when I finished than I did when I had started, right? And, and so I really didn't pursue it right away. I finished school. I started trying to apply it into my life and trying to figure out like, why was there so much conflicting information, right? Why, what was the right way to do it? What was, what was mm -hmm. right and what wasn't? And, and just trying to figure it out. And so I finished school and I started working as an interior designer. Mm -hmm. And it, fast forward just a couple of years into my career. And I was living in Hawaii, working in very high-end residential design, working with very successful entrepreneurs. And <laughs> we had submitted a design to a client. We had a lot of international clients at that time. And we had we had submitted a, a, a design to a client in China. And they sent it back saying that the feng shui was wrong. Whoops. <laughs> right. And my boss... <laughs> So my boss was in a panic, right? Like, what do I do now? And and so she asked the whole team. She pulled all of the designers together, asked if anybody knew anything about feng shui and if anybody could do anything to fix this. And I was the only one to step forward. And ah. so I put myself forward with what little knowledge I had gleaned in, in a few years of kind of studying it and just applying it to my own life never having worked with a client before ever. <laughs> and I put myself forward. And so she gave me this design to fix the feng shui of, you know, like try to keep the design sort of what we have, but fix yeah. the feng shui problems that we had accidentally created for them. <laughs> and so <laughs> let me tell you, some imposter syndrome really showed up in that moment for me. Um, but, you know, I had a lot of fear around if the client knew more about feng shui than I did. Mm you know, and, and, and so I, I did the project and that was great. And I, and I really fell in love with the process of applying both, mm. right. And, and how important they were to really making sure that, you know, your living space is, is truly a reflection of, of your soul. And it's energetically empowering to you as well. And so I, I wanted to know more. So I actually decided to go back to school and figure out all the stuff that I didn't know. Um, so I started doing some research. I found a school that taught traditional Chinese feng shui um, and started getting my answers. Um, I started taking on clients and, and really, you know, falling in love with the process. But I would notice because I took my business like virtually, mm -hmm. right? I was, I was working with clients sort of in a virtual space online. And so I was doing the directing with how to do the feng shui and I was doing the calculations and stuff. They were actually doing the work right. in their space. Yeah. And so they would all get stuck in the same place. They would all get stuck in decluttering. They would all get stuck with the clutter. And, and so I would, 
I was kind of doing some coaching around cluttering, but also now diving into researching clutter and how does that relate to feng shui? Mm. Because feng shui talks about clutter, you know, and how it stagnates the energy of a space, but it doesn't really talk about the psychology of clutter. Right. And so I started diving even deeper into right back where I started into the psychology of feng shui and space and clutter and really starting to understand it and taking on more and more clients. And then um, I I actually was hurt on my job Mm. and uh, I was still, I was running my, my little business on the side, just taking a few feng shui clients at a time and, and still working full time. And Mm -hmm. so I hurt myself on my job and um, I couldn't walk anymore. And so I was on bed rest at home and (laughs) I'd always wanted to have my own business. And so I thought this, this was a good time to start a business, right? I'm home on bed. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And so I, I hired a coach to teach me how to take my expertise as a, as a feng shui designer and, and create a business out of that one. And then she turned around and actually hired me um, to design her space. And it's funny because I was actually reminded of things that I had learned way back when, when I was working in the high-end residential design firm with all the other really successful uh, entrepreneurs of like what they did sort of secretly behind the scenes. And so I started applying that and a business just sort of exploded. And here you are. (laughs) And here I am. Lovely. You also shared with me earlier on that you were introduced to magic and witchcraft when you were just nine years old. Could you tell us about it? Um, Yes, I am. Well, my parents divorced when I was eight and they both remarried. My mother remarried a, um, a very abusive pedophile and my step my dad remarried a witch. <laughs> and so I was, you know, living with my mother in a very abusive situation. And I would get to spend some time a couple months out of the year with my father. And I sort of decided at that time that I didn't, I didn't want to be anything like my mom. You know, I told her that I was being abused and she called me a liar and covered it up. Mm. And so I had decided I didn't, I didn't want to be anything like her. Um, and I, I sort of started looking for a role model, right. Of, of how to be a woman. If if this wasn't going to be, I was very conscious about that choice at eight years old, Mm. um, that, that I was looking for someone else. So when my father remarried and and she was such a wonderful woman, Mm -hmm. but she was very interested in energy work and manifestation and magic and witchcraft and divination and studying all of the alignment of astrology and the planets and the energy and all of how that flows. Mm. And at that age, in that situation, I was very much looking for a magical solution to my problem. Right. Because, 
nobody, I mean, my father believed me when I told him I was being abused. They even fought for custody, which is when my mother lied and covered it up and, you know, went through this whole thing. But yeah, I was very much looking for a magical solution because I honestly believed that was the only solution um, was something magical. Um, that was the only way I was ever going to get out of, of the abusive situation that I was in. And so I started studying that at nine years old magic at that age, it was magic, you know, and, and as I got older and really started studying it more, I started really understanding. It's just all about energy. All of it. It's just manifestation using energy with intention to, you know, to, to manifest the life you want into existence. And so when I, when I heard about feng shui and I started hearing what it was, I didn't quite understand it, but I knew it was very much in alignment with my way of being mm. kind of like my way of being was always all about being in alignment with the energy of my life to try to manifest the life I wanted, right? The best life I wanted. Um, and feng shui kind of wow. got me there, but it started with a very magical stepmom when mm. I was nine. Mm. Thank you for sharing very personal and very inspirational story uh, and, and quite powerful. So thank you. Okay, so what is Feng Shui and what role does it play in our life? Could you give us an overview of its key elements just from from the the baseline, if you like? (laughs) Sure. Um, Feng Shui is really just the study of the flow of energy in your space. Very simply. It, It just has to do with getting not just studying the flow of energy of your space, but really getting yourself into alignment with the flow of energy in your space. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, you know, you have an energetic frequency, (laughs) right? Your home also has an energetic frequency. And so when you live together, those energetic frequencies can sometimes clash or sometimes be in alignment. And so Mm -hmm. feng shui is just about observing and solving those conflicts, those energetic conflicts to get you into alignment. Mm. I am very sensitive to energy and obviously people have different level of sensitivity, but I feel, I think that most people could relate to a situation where you walk into a new home or a new house or a new venue that you haven't been before to, and you, you either feel very well very, you, you pick up very good vibes, you just have this uplifting feeling, or you feel that there's something off, you just, you just want to get out of that place, you, you don't feel okay. So that's, I assume, is part of the that alignment that you were just talking about, of the energy of the space with the energy of the person. Yes, very much so. Yep. Because your home has its own energetic frequency. And just like people will rub you the wrong way, mm. spaces can rub you the wrong way too. But also just like people can feel like home, spaces can feel like home from the moment you walked in. It's just an energetic alignment. Yes. The ones that are in sync and the ones that are out of sync, right? We tend to gravitate towards the ones that are in sync and then we throw them out of sync just by living in them. Right. And the way our, you know, because our energy frequencies fluctuate, yes. you know, we're in. And so whatever's going on internally for us will be reflected 
in our external space because that's it's also the container that holds our energy and and all of that so it reflects all of that back to us too so it's really powerful Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Absolutely. Now, it goes without saying that interior design and feng shui is a match made in heaven, but not everyone understands the importance of of feng shui or is open to accept that the layout of their house or office affects their mood or well-being. How do you explain this concept to such people? Um, I don't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sometimes there's just a thing as wasting energy, right? You either people understand that energy is a thing. The river of energy flows through our bodies, our homes, the universe. It flows through all of us and, and all of our space. And if you, if people really don't understand that, no words that I can say would explain it to them. Mm. So I, I cannot, I cannot give my energy to that without draining myself. And it's, and then there's no return. There's no, I don't, there's, there's no value in trying to convince them that feng shui is real or that it matters. Yes. On the other hand, I mean, there's people that maybe don't understand feng shui, but they understand energy and, and the energy is a real thing. And so for them, it's just a matter of explaining like what feng shui is and how it works and not even how it works, just that it works, right? That it's, it's a thing because it's not. Feng shui is not something we do. Right. Yeah. It's just what is. We either have good feng shui or we have bad feng shui. It's in alignment or it's out of alignment. If it's out of alignment, we take steps to fix it and get it back into alignment. But feng shui just is. It's kind of like air just is or gravity just yes. is. It's one of the laws of the universe. It's just a thing that that's it just is. Um, yes. But how we use it, those, that I can t- speak to. But if, yeah, if mm-hmm. someone really didn't understand that energy is a real yep. thing, like that person is, <laughs> that person is 
beyond saving for me. I, I can't help them. Someone else maybe can, but they're certainly beyond my capabilities of working with. Yeah. So there's a difference between people who understand energy, but don't understand Feng Shui and you can work with them versus people who don't understand or don't accept the concept of energy and that everything is energy, which is a completely different conversation. And uh, so let's talk about practicalities. What would be the key, just a few key practical applications of Feng Shui, the key things we need to watch out for and change to improve the energy flow in our living space? Mm, Well, watch out for where the energy stagnates in your space. Energy will stagnate where there's clutter and where there is no movement, mm-hmm. right? Um, we tend to clutter where there's no movement. Those things happen. But, you know, even dirty laundry is not necessarily yeah. clutter, but energy will stagnate there. So you want to make sure that you're keeping the, the, ener- the energy moving. Okay. Um, stagnant energy in your home, it's going to be a reflection of both what's going on internally, but it's going to be reflected in your life as well. So if your energy is stagnating in a certain area of your home, it will tell you, it'll be a sign to tell you like what's going on externally as well. So you're going to want to pay attention to the clutter, really. That's my biggest one. So let's talk about clutter. What is clutter and how does it interfere with our life, our well-being? Well, the way I define clutter is anything you do not use, need, or love. Very simply, Um, anything that you do not use, need, or love is clutter, and um, you need to get rid of it. (laughs) It's pretty simple. (laughs) Like you need to get rid of it. It is. uh, It's a reflection of um, energetic baggage, like limiting beliefs or thoughts that we have that keep us stuck and hold us back from what we really want. Um, But it's because they're a reflection of what's going on internally that they show up in. Okay. So in other words, it's not the volume of things that we don't use or need necessarily. It's the the nature of those things. So because most people think of clutter as in having your, you know, your spare room full of stuff, like chock-a-block full of stuff or your garage full of stuff. But what you are saying is that it's not necessarily the volume, but the the nature of things in our living environment. So it could be just a few things we don't use, want, or love, as you said. Yes. That's your definition of clutter. Yes. Yes. Because the volume, the volume isn't always an indicator. I mean, I get a lot of people that come to me with that have rooms full of clutter, storage units full of clutter, Mm. you know, everywhere is full of clutter. But I also get clients that will come to me and say, I'm a minimalist. I don't have any clutter. I've decluttered everything. And they haven't. (laughs) And sometimes it's one teeny tiny little thing, but physically, but emotionally and mentally, it's huge. It's a huge thing. It can be bigger than a whole room full of clutter. Can you give us an example? Um, a tea set or bed sheets, uh, photographs, yarn. <laughs> it, it can be anything. Clutter really can be anything. So if there is just one or two things that you have identified as clutter in, in your client's life, 
How do you then link it to their emotional blockages, for example? Well, I have a five-step process that I've developed for how to, at least how to declutter it, how to go through that process of making those connections and making those disconnections so that you can declutter sort of once and for all. Because mostly decluttering is, it's sort of an ongoing process, right? Because we always are going to have mental clutter, but we're also always going to have physical clutter. Um, It's just, Mm. it's part of the nature of being human, right? We are we are wired to be consumers. So we're always acquiring new things. But as we require new things, then old things become clutter. And so it, there's always this process. So, But I've just developed my own process for taking people through so that they don't end up like hoarders, right? As you declutter, a lot of times people will declutter and get rid of everything, mm. you know, and then three months later, two months later, um, they have just as much clutter as they did before. And sometimes more, you know, because it's just a, it's a cycle of um, it's one of the ways we prove ourselves, right? Just how we reinforce our limiting beliefs. Absolutely. We all know that we feel much better after cleaning up the garage, doing a cull in our wardrobe, and generally decluttering our environment. So I think most people would relate to that. But I like your point of view because it adds another dimension to quote-unquote clutter. So it's not necessarily, so that's perhaps one of the things people uh, could be mindful of. It's not necessarily the volume of things that we don't use or need, but the fact that we have things that we don't use, need, or love, which probably the third qualifier is perhaps most important, I feel, because if I there's something I don't love, why would I want to keep it in my house? Because clearly it has different energy and it doesn't align with my energy. If I don't love it, there is clearly an energetic disconnect because we are no longer aligned with those things. or So whenever there is some negative energy or energy clash, which then creates negative energy, obviously uh, it can impact on our health and well-being. So now I've got a couple of questions that I know my audience are very interested in, <laughs> in terms of some juicy bits in, of information that... Uh, that they might uh, get here. What would you like to share with us in terms of just few practical examples of feng shui for real life? Uh, some generic tips that people might want to and would be able to apply in their living space without consulting an expert. And uh, secondly, if you could then zoom in perhaps on using feng shui the right way to create peace and prosperity in all areas of our life. And I know that people are usually interested in the three key main areas, which is health, relationships, and money or prosperity. (laughs) Yes, yes, I find that as well. I find that as well. 
most people, when they first come to me, what they're primarily interested in is money, fame, and relationships. And health is is sort of a, a, a fourth uh, one in there. And, and so everybody, that's what everybody wants is the juicy goodness, right? All those good tips. <laughs> the fastest way to really improve the, the, like the flow of energy in your house will, if you shift the flow of energy in your house, that will shift the feng shui, right? It's a very practical and, and quick <laughs> shift, um, is to, to declutter, right? Declutter your space. Mm-hmm. Clutter stagnates the energy in your space. And feng shui is really all about the flow of energy. So decluttering your space is a really important, like first step, right? Everybody always wants the good stuff, the feng shui remedies, and that's great. But the feng shui remedies won't do anything at all until you've, you've removed the problem. And the problem looks like clutter. Um, and, and like, even where we keep our clutter tells a lot about it. Um, and, and that's a lot, a whole big thing to dive into on all its own. What I find is one of the places that we stash clutter really, really frequently is under the bed. Mm-hmm. And if you're stashing your clutter there, it's the worst place possible for you to keep it. Um, one of my generics is always to tell people to immediately declutter under your bed, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, your your bed is where you go to rest and recharge your batteries mm-hmm. and your whole, you're, hopefully you're spending like eight hours a night recharging. But if you think of the energy of your space, it flows like water, mm-hmm. right? It's in the air, but it flows like water. So if we think of it like water, if you've got clutter under your bed, it's going to stagnate the water there. So now as you're laying in the bed, sleeping and absorbing up that stale, stagnant energy, it's like swamp water. Like you're recharging yourself with swamp water. So it's not helping, right? So you wake up tired and you wake up not energized. You don't feel like you've been rejuvenated. And it's because you've been absorbing stagnant energy all night. Uh, Another thing is keep, you know, like clutter up a high, especially like in your bedroom. Keeping clutter up high is also oppressive um, and can give you headaches. So if you have like tall dressers next to your bed or you like to keep things up high, that is another one. Um, Generic cures are really hard to recommend. Um, There's only five elements when it comes to feng shui. There's only five remedies. There is wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And those remedies all interact with one another in a very specific cycle. In fact, that is the cycle. Wood feeds fire, feeds earth, feeds metal, feeds water, and water feeds uh, wood again. So it goes in a nice cycle. There's some small things that you can do, even that I've shared with you before, Anna. You know, like a a bathroom is really heavy on metal and water energy. Um, And that can be draining. Um, it can be, there's a lot of myths about bathrooms when it comes to feng shui and, oh my gosh, it's in my money corner. And that's, that's not how feng shui works. You don't have to stress about that. We all have a bathroom, right? Some of the feng shui rules when they not really came up with them, but more when they observed them enough to, to write them down and say, this is scientific. We can, we can, you know, quantify this repeatedly. Um, was so long ago, it was not even in the time of modern bathrooms. 
So a lot of this feng shui stuff that you hear about bathrooms, a lot of times you can almost always listen to that and say, oh, that's fake feng shui. Like it's a red flag when people say, oh no, your money, your bathroom isn't a thing. And like, oh, nope, that's fake feng shui because it's, it's, you can tell it that way. And that's one of the places to start because, you know, feng shui has been popular in the West since about 1995, Mm -hmm. give or take long enough for there to be a whole lot of misinformation out there. And the misinformation is where the problem comes from, right? We think there's going to be a magic solution that we can just put a mirror up or, um, you know, put, uh, put a thing in a place right? And, and that'll fix all the problems. And the real thing is we've got to do the work on, on creating that relationship with our space um, because that's really where it starts. If you start treating your space like your best friend, this is the best feng shui tip that I can possibly tell you ever, ever, ever treat your home like your best friend. It's a relationship. It's an extension of your energetic frequency. A lot of us get really stuck in not being able to treat ourselves well, lovingly, like we're worth it. Hmm. Um, it's hard for us. Uh, it's a struggle. Um, it is for me and it is for a lot of my clients, right? Struggling with knowing I'm worth the time and the energy for even for like self-care and not, I'm too busy, you know, not putting it off because we don't, we've never been really taught truly how to love ourselves and how to treat ourselves like we're worth it. Yeah. One of the best ways to start that practice, which will shift everything about your relationship with yourself, which is at the heart of it, what feng shui is about. Treat your home like your best friend because it's an extension of your energetic frequency. Every nice thing you do for your home is a nice thing you're doing for yourself. And it will generate that energy in your life. It'll generate that um, reciprocation. You're loving on yourself almost in a sneaky way. Like, so you can't resist it and you won't, and you won't miss out on it. Mm. Do that by cleaning, do that by decluttering everything that you do not need, use, or love. Don't keep things in your space that are stagnating up your space. You should look around your home and see your castle. Everywhere you look should be things that you love. The remedies that feng shui brings, those five things, um, those five elements, they should be seamlessly hidden in your in your space anyway. You, sh- you they're not an obvious, if, if you see somebody telling you obvious, like feng shui remedies, that's a red flag. It should feel different. If it feels stuck and you can feel it when you go in your house and it just feels heavy and it feels stuck and it feels like hard and it feels uncomfortable to be there. You, you know what that energy feels like, right? Yeah. That is, that is stagnant energy. It's heavy and it's hard. When you start even just decluttering, you will start shifting the energies. Then when you come to the actual technical side of it, the feng shui side of it, where you're doing the math and you're doing the calculations to make sure that everything is, is, is perfectly aligned and right. It, you will already feel different. You'll already notice a difference. Um, And even then, sometimes when we make that shift, with getting the energy moving, 
we almost naturally want to move into alignment with our space um, because something shifts. It's, it's like a, it's, it's a river of energy, right. That flows through us and in our space. So it just gets us into alignment where we can feel and it, and, and then make it feel different. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta? The optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Absolutely. And I'm loving what you just shared with us. Thanks for that. Before I ask my next question, I'd like to share a couple of things. Firstly, when we spoke before the recording, mm-hmm. and I did ask you about any bathroom remedies, <laughs> you uh, explained to me how this works, and, and you suggested that I might want to add some dirt or earth element oh, yeah. <laughs> to it. And what I have done, because you know the energy in my bathroom just wasn't right. So since then, I have put in there a crystal lamp. The salt lamp? The salt lamp, right? I'm sorry, salt lamp, not crystal. Yes. So, salt yes. lamp, yes. Mm-hmm. And I've and I put in a, a living plant mm-hmm. and I've also got some pebbles yes. and put them in a ceramic square uh, pot. In fact, I've got three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, the energy of my bathroom has shifted and that's all that I have done. Yeah. I can't describe it, but it has shifted in a very pleasant very positive way so even such a such a simple tip yeah can be very helpful yeah it, it's 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 noticeable it's, it's feelable and it's because like in bathrooms specifically it's one of the few that isn't always right on it isn't always right on but but bathrooms tend to be really heavy on metal energy and water energy kind of everywhere right they're, they're water and they're metal um just given the nature of what's in there and so those two things battle one another. If they get to be out of alignment, if they get to be out of balance and they're not correct. And so what corrects that is, is the wood, excuse me, the earth energy, um, which the plant is wood, but the dirt in the pot and the ceramic pot, that's all earth. You know, the stones, the, um, all of those are earth energy. And so that, that cuts that. Um, and, and it, it corrects, it remedies the conflict. That's how feng shui actually works, is when those two elements get into a battle, the third element that we apply then um, corrects it. That's literally how feng shui works. We just have to do the math and the calculations to figure out yeah. what's out of alignment and, and where so that we know, oh, if it's these two elements, like wet water and metal, then we know we need to add earth to fix it. But, you know, sometimes we, we go completely the other direction, you know, and 
and add more. We add more to the problem. Mm. You know, like I had a, I had a client that her dream vision was to have a white, white and silver bathroom, which is all metal, (laughs) right? White and silver colors even relate to the metal element. And then you have water. So now she was in a really, really um, like epic elemental battle by wanting to do it that way. And so it ended up, it, it ended up not working out well, right? We needed something to, and so that happens all over the house. Those are the part you really need an expert to, to calculate just because it's very easy to make a mistake. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years and on occasion I still make a math mistake every once in a while it, you know, mistakes happen, but knowing that it's making it so simple. And so it, but it makes an obvious feelable difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another uh, point that you made that I really, really resonate with is treating your home or your office, in other words, your living space, as your best friend because it reflects who you are. My background is in communication. In my studies, I have developed a concept of communication by proxy, meaning your external environment, your car, your office, your home is how you communicate to the world about yourself. Because we, when we are arranging or organizing or decorating or living in a space, we are subconsciously doing this in line with our current emotional state and our personality. So just like we are imprinting our energy on our immediate surroundings, when we make change or changes in those surroundings, it immediately impacts on our well-being and health and and any other areas of of our life. Would you agree? I would. I would 100%. Actually, what you are talking about is using how you use feng shui the right way, because you're absolutely right. Um, Our homes are an extension of our energetic field. So instinctively, we we live in them as a, as a way of expression, right? Just like how we dress, the style yeah. of home we buy, the style of car we, we buy, the furniture, the everything that we surround ourselves with is a reflection of our, sort of our personality. It's, it's sort of the, you know, that's why you'll have a space that, oh, it just, this is so you, right? People say that, oh, this room is so you, or this yeah. thing is so you, yeah. um, it's, it's because that's how we, we instinctively live in, in our space. Um, and actually that it's, it's one of the things that, that I talk about, um, the, when you, when we shift from that, that is how most people design and decorate most feng shui consultants, most interior designers, most everybody. That's how they, um, they decorate. That's the thing. And, that's where I say they get it wrong because they're designing for who you are right now. Because what's that is reflecting, you know, it reflects your clutter. Your clutter has a story to tell everything about you. Everything about what you believe is all reflected right now. So it is, it is a vision board. It's acting as one to tell you, this is where you are right now um, on your journey of life. What I do and how I use feng shui and the way that I believe is 
this is how you use feng shui the right way, is to actually design for who you are becoming next. Uh, okay. Because then what we do is we turn your whole space into a three-dimensional vision board that allows you to become that person, right? Just like the way a vision board works, you know, a tiny little framed picture of things, you know, that's sort of how that works. We're looking at these pictures of whatever, this house or this car or this lifestyle. But what's reflecting to us all the time is our space. And it's reflecting to us who we are right now, which is the culmination of of where we've been up to now. When we shift and we use our space intentionally and we get out of instinct and we stop doing all of those things and we actually start designing for this future version of ourselves and we get into energetically alignment with that vision, it has to happen. I mean, that's how the law of attraction works. That's how energy works. That's how all of that works. Once you are in alignment with the vision, energetically, it happens. But that means if in order for you to be energetically in alignment, all of that energy that you're putting off around you has to be in alignment. So if you outline, if you align your home or your car or first, now all of a sudden you just whoop, get sort of pulled into it instead of, you know, instead of trying to go the other way where you're trying to create it first, it's sort of the difference between this have, do, be, right? When I have this, then I can do this and then I will be that. You have to be this first so that you can do the thing that will have the thing. So that's literally what you do when we're using feng shui is we're designing for who you're becoming so that you have room to become her. Absolutely. One of the most common tips, if you like, feng shui tips for prosperity is to have a water feature next to your entrance or outside in the garden. What are your thoughts on that? And is there a a particular thing that people that they might be watching out for in terms of improving their prosperity flow? Um, Well, I love that you asked this question because Um, I really, that's one of the biggest things out there is all of the misinformation. Um, And this is one of the most common ones, this idea of putting water somewhere because money flows like water and the whole thing. And I get it. And it's a mistake. It's a miss. It's a complete fallacy. If your office needs a water remedy, it's because it needs a water remedy. If you put water in there and it doesn't need it, right? And and what if, like earlier, when we talked about the battle between metal and water in the bathroom, 
if that same battle is going on in your office and you now add a water feature to to improve your flow of abundance, now you have even more water, which is actually creating a feng shui problem, mm. right? As, a, as opposed to solving a problem. Okay. One of the things that you can watch for is if you're going to, if you want to try to do it yourself, if you want to try to DIY this bad boy and buy a book, right? If you read anything that talks about always do this or put a remedy here, if it tells you to put any type of remedy in any place, just generic, you know, you need a remedy, you need water in your office or by your front door. That is red hat. Excuse me. That is a red flag. It's black hat, <laughs> red hat, <laughs> red flag, black hat. There we go. <laughs> that it's black hat feng shui, which is fake, fake feng shui. And it doesn't work. Put the book down. Don't buy it. <laughs> it's interesting. So why are they so many myths? out there i mean every pretty much every website and every book on feng shui that you can see and read why 98% of the books that you buy or why? find on feng shui are fake because people want to make money um mm. but it it was a very simple thing right for thousands of years the shortened condensed version for thousands of years feng shui was kept secret in china from everyone, even the Chinese people. It was kept secret by the emperor, right? He kept the feng shui match masters. There was only a select handful of them that had this knowledge um, because it benefited him, right? The emperor wanted the prosperity all to himself. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of dictatorships that that's how they operate. That's, that's, that's the principle behind the thing. Mm -hmm. So the emperor kept the feng shui masters as practically as slaves, really, so that he could hoard the, the, the knowledge for himself. But feng shui is, is about alignment. It's about helping people get into that alignment of abundance. That's the whole goal. And so a few thousand years ago, one of those masters escaped from the palace um, you know, and going through the whole thing, you know, of, of hiding his identity and he escaped up into the mountains and he even hid his knowledge. Um, he taught some very close family members, um, a daughter, a son-in-law, you know, it was passed down just between those families for a very long time. And it was written in poetry form to keep mm -hmm. the knowledge a secret, right? You had to have the the key, just like a map. You had to have a key to the legend to get to know the secrets. And it was written down so that it would be remembered, but you had to have the key. Yeah. The problem yeah. <laughs> then lies in yeah. people got a hold of the books and didn't have the key. So they would read things like, you know, a white tiger in the West or a, you know, a red dragon in the South, and it needs to be this. And they took it literally as a, you know, you have to paint your front door red. Um, or, you know, you need to put this sort of mm. symbolism, right? Like a dragon or a, a turtle, or I think there was a tiger, a turtle, a dragon. And okay. anyway, there's been a bunch of them over there, uh, roosters. And, and so they took them literally and, and said, oh, okay, this is how we do this. Mm. And so obviously there was a lot of mistakes that way. Uh, okay. But then the other part of that is, right? Every great once in a while, something will work, right? And it's not because you put a rooster in the West. It's because 
you put a clay object there in the shape of a rooster and what was needed was an earth remedy. But it, it was made popular kind of overnight in, uh, in 1985. Um, Donald Trump, um, he broke ground on the Trump Tower in 95. And there was a lot of money coming in from different Asian countries in the real estate market in New York at that time. And as much as I, I don't have much of anything good to say about him, he was very onto the, the idea of, I want that money. And so he's willing to use those tools. He hired someone to feng shui Trump Tower. And those things sold out like crazy because they had the feng shui. So the, the, the Asian business people would come in and buy those pieces. And he made a lot of money off of it. And a lot of people witnessed that and, and decided, well, I can now become a feng shui expert. I'll write a book. And so they wrote a book, and they, but they had no clue, right? Just things still happen. How many people are, you know what I mean? Right. Like there's experts every day in every industry <laughs> writing books that, that are putting misinformation out there. It's just, it's one of the downsides of, you know, we're out of the age, the industrial age now, and we've moved into the information age. And one of the downsides of the information age is all of the misinformation for people just trying to make a buck. And quite frankly, that's what happened. A lot of people jumped on board as feng shui experts that didn't know anything and they just wrote books to make money. And it still happens. I mean, I saw somebody actually just the other day who was posting on social media that there were too many rules to feng shui and she just didn't like them. And so she just created her own feng shui and her rules were, if it feels good, it's good. And if it feels bad, it's bad. And so sign up to work with me. And she's touting it as feng shui. But it's so far from feng shui. Like, but mm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this story. I, I haven't heard of it uh, before. And it does actually explain a lot of those myths. So essentially, what I'm hearing is that the key point is to have those energies, those key elements balanced in the right way, in the right space. And then everything flows from it. Yes. Is it pretty yes. much? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's exactly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say balance. Alignment is why I always say alignment, because like you point, like you pointed out, they have different energy fields like fire. Fire is the most yang um, of, of the elements. It is the most intense. It's, it's, and so when we're comparing, like, say, fire energy to earth energy, right? You need a whole lot less fire than you need earth to get the same result. So if, if what you were trying to do is put a, a balance of those two energies in the room, you would need a whole lot more earth element than, than fire to balance each other out, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So, yes, the balance is is sort of a precise thing, but they work together in a system. Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's very it's it's very logical. It's very mathematical. Right. Like that system of of mm -hmm. elements. It always goes in one direction. Mm -hmm. Wood, fire, earth, metal, water. If it's going the other direction, it's it's a it's a destructive cycle. And that's where it needs to be corrected. Mm. If there's too much water over metal, then that's where there's a problem. That's why you need earth, right? If there's too much metal over earth, then you need fire. 
if you have too much earth, it'll put the fire out. So you need wood, right? Because wood will feed the right. fire and create, right? It's a cycle. And, and so they balance one another. If you, if you read books that talk about anything but those five elements, it's fake feng shui. Put it down. If they talk about crystals or mirrors or, it, nope, fake feng shui. Put it down. It, it's not worth your energy. If it talks about anything other than those five remedies, it's, na- it's not real. Um, it's very, it's very logical, um, and very mathematical and, um, it can be repeated. Okay, thank you for that. So could you give us a couple of examples of real life uh, cases or situations of your clients who, after improving their feng shui in their home or office, experienced a significant or noticeable change in their life? Uh, yes. One of my favorite stories is, um, is with a client. Her name is Shannon. And when she came to me, she was, she was working in a business. She had her business. She was part-time. She was also working in a job part-time and she was, she didn't have as many clients as she wanted. And, um, she was actually even struggling to pay the rent on her office space that, that she had rented for her business. And so she had a lot of clutter in her space. She had a lot of resentment going on. Um, and a lot of frustrations with some of her personal relationships. And so we feng shuied her space for her um, to empower her in her, in her life, in her business. And the, the following month after we worked together, she, she tripled her income. And the month after that, she maintained it. She actually stayed at that three times her income level. And the third month, she maintained that again, and that gave her the confidence to quit her part-time job and go full-time in her business, which, of course, then gave her more time and opportunity to take on even more clients and increase her income that much more. And about two months after she quit her job, her landlord came to her at her office space and asked her to move to a new office. Because some a bigger company had come in and wanted to rent the entire wing that she was in. And so they were moving everybody over to this new location. So her new office was twice the size of her existing office and no more in rent. Her rent stayed the same. <laughs> <laughs> so she, we were a little crammed trying to design her first office, you know, trying to get all of her stuff in there because it was a pretty small space. You know, it was one of the frustrations that she had was not enough room for all of the things that, yeah. that she was trying to do, you know, because she's a, she works, she has an online business too. So she's got content creation, all sorts of things. So, yeah. And so she got this bigger office than, <laughs> uh, yeah, within a couple of months of working together. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So she had to feng shui her old office in order to leave it a few months later and move to a bigger and better space. So obviously, the process served its purpose, clearly. Mm-hmm. 
but then we were in a new space. So then we get to punctuate our new office because it's, <laughs> it was, you know, it's a whole new thing. The energy, yeah. the energy blue imprint there is different, you know, even uh, though it's the same building and it's the, on the other side, she's in a different, yeah. she's in a different place so the energetic imprint is different on her so yeah it was <laughs> it worked out really well for, <laughs> for both of us actually <laughs> um uh, it, that's one of my favorite stories actually just now she's moving to a third office actually um <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, lovely, lovely story. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Beautiful. So, uh, Crystal, could you tell us about your services and programs? I believe you have various packages that you offer. And also, I understand that you have a gift uh, for our listeners. Could you? So, could you tell us about your various offerings? Sure. What I have is called a Peace and Prosperity Alignment. It's what I did for Shannon. Um, and it is... We feng shui your office together. Um, we we design a we design your space. We align the feng shui for you. Um, I do all of the design work <laughs> that is included in that, and you basically get a brand new office that fully reflects the soul of who you are becoming, um, and is fully in alignment with your vision and your goals to really turn it into the engine. That is the 3D vision board to manifest the life that you want. That is the package in a nutshell. <laughs> um, if someone were interested in working with okay. me, they could, they could I have, sign up for a call. They could apply um, to do that at peaceandprosperityalignment.com. Lovely. Mm-hmm. But I do have a free gift for, for everyone who is maybe not at that point yet, um, because we talked about the clutter and the clutter is the place to start always. And I have my method that I have come up with. It's a five-step method. Declutter your mindset is what I call it. And it's a five-step method. I have a free download of how to, how to go through those five steps um, available at declutteryourmindset.com. Um, and you can just download that for free and get started going through those five steps to declutter your physical, mental, and emotional clutter once and for all. <laughs> Beautiful. And obviously, I will include all the links and all the information on the show notes on my website so people can find you and and take it from there. Beautiful. Any final thoughts or key points, key takeaways that you would like to give to our listeners? Start treating your home like it's your best friend. Your home is not just a reflection of you. It is an extension of you. So by treating your home with that love um, and extra care, it's treating yourself with the same love and care. Oh, beautiful. Really beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, Crystal, well, thank you so much. This has been a, a really enlightening and, and wonderful conversation. And it's been a pleasure to have you on Quantum Living. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. It's been a pleasure being here. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. 
I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.